artificial intelligence field is normally seen as burgeoning and new. Uh, lots of small, smart, scrappy companies aiming to become the de facto AI solution for various industry applications. Um, possibly with one big exception to this otherwise new field of small and scrappy companies, and that is IBM. Uh, Big Blue has been involved in the AI domain for quite some time, with Watson gaining wide fame uh, in its win in Jeopardy, but since moving on to all sorts of applications in small business, big business, and the public sector alike. Today we're lucky enough to be joined by Swami Chandasekharan, who is Chief Technologist and Executive Architect in the office of IBM Watson's CTO. We speak today about what Swami sees as some of the low-hanging fruit for applying predictive models to business data. This is a man who's seen these technologies applied in a variety of contexts. We talk about random examples in the automotive domain and shipping, telcos, uh, and more. And again, uh, I think it's illustrative to see sort of where someone with as much experience as Swami sees as uh, the, the right way to find sort of the, the close to immediate ROI with regards to leveraging predictive models. So certainly a fun interview on my end. I hope you all enjoy this one. This is Swami with IBM. So Swami, first and foremost, uh, I wanted to talk about where you often see sort of low-hanging fruit in applying predictive models to business data. Um, you, you're obviously working uh, with Watson every day. You're, you're getting to see a lot of businesses maybe for the first time step into this world of really leveraging some models on the data that they already have. Um, where where do you see the ROI there? Where do you see the low-hanging fruit? Yeah, so when we, when we look at uh, predictive model and machine learning and be what not, right, everybody uh, starts thinking about, okay, what the large corporations are doing right, yep, with, yep. With, with, with large data sets. But it takes, a, it takes a village to build that kind of a team and go after data cleansing. The hardest part in machine learning and predictive analytics is not building the model. It's actually acquiring the data, cleansing the data, preparing the data, and then applying models out of it and then drawing insights. So having said so, for small companies, I think, I believe, um, the low-hanging fruit is in terms of <clears throat> the ability to use the data that they have in hand that they can readily use and uh, probably use uh, and augment that with uh, third-party data. So, for example, think about a, a small trucking company that is trying to optimize its uh, operations. Yep. And uh, they may say, okay, I have data about when my drivers come in, what time do they clock in, clock out, what kind of deliveries they do per week and be whatnot. But if you start, I have the data, I can do some predictive models, great. But now let's factor in weather data, very simple. You can go to weather.com, which is an IBM company, and the data is available as APIs. Combine your trucking information with weather information now you're able to predict things based on seasonalities, weather alteration patterns, and be whatnot. You're not doing anything extra. All you're doing is you're taking the data at hand, you're combining it with another data source that is correlated, because weather has an effect, as you could say, as you could think, right, on 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 fleet and truck operations. Yep. And then machine learning again take baby steps. First, start with unsupervised clustering. What is happening, first of all? I mean, I, I know everybody wants to jump to deep learning, but, but before you get there, right, first, what is happening in your data? What is, why are, what are, are there patterns emerging? And even before that, what kind of questions are you trying to get answers for? 
Um, speaking of the book called The Alchemist, right? What are you? Why are you going on a journey? What is the reason <laughs> you're going on a journey? What are you trying to seek? So you need to be very clear. Um, so even so, the point I'm making for low and small medium business companies: the low-hanging fruit starts with what are you trying to find answers for? Then, what is your data at hand? How can you augment that data? Then find, describe the data, and then go into very simple predictive models that would predict things like when would your trucks fail? When would your drivers not show up at work? What kind month of the year you have to be uh, hiring additional drivers? I think all of these things are accomplishable fairly easily as long as you take baby steps and get the right data not all the data is going to be with you. You may have to go out and yep. get the additional data, but go after ones that make sense for you. And you, you're hearkening on a, a couple of points that I've heard uh, many a time by folks experienced in the data science world, namely two big points. Number one, business problem comes first always. Um, and number two, that, that the cleaning of the data and the collecting of the data is, is much harder than sort of tinkering and playing around to find the right model. Um which which is is curious advice. You know, when it when it comes to sort of knowing um, which business problems could be solved with data science, do you find that that companies that start to move into this this realm, I mean, does it make sense for them to maybe begin consulting with folks who have done this or people who have an experience here? Because I can imagine someone with a trucking company, use a trucking company, maybe a fifty something year old fella, you know, with a, a ten million dollar business, um, he may not even sort of know which which quote unquote data sets he would want to quote unquote combine because you know he he's 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 using email but maybe that's about it you know in terms of sort of technical proficiency it sounds like it makes sense to get perspective in the room when businesses are kind of taking their first steps forward do you find that that founders are often bringing someone on for that perspective or are they kind of learning enough to tease out those questions themselves so uh, there are two parts to that question one part is this small trucking company, the founder, 57-year-old founder, he or she will have to know the business. I'm pretty sure they're running the company. They will know the business. So they For need sure. to define what are the business objectives for which they're trying to seek answers. Maybe they want to optimize their routes. Maybe they may want to optimize the number of drivers they hire or make more deliveries for the same buck, right? Yeah. So what is my metric? What is the KPI, the key performance indicator that I'm trying to optimize and, and or predict for that matter? So that would have to obviously come from the from the company or the business yeah, sneeze yeah. within the company. The second part of it is, which is where, do I have to hire or consult or bring in other folks? I think this is going to become a norm. In my opinion, I believe, Data scientists, uh, known in other ways possible as well, would become part and parcel of these smaller companies as well. If you go back to the 80s, 70s, uh, right, uh, when IBM came out with uh, the DBMS and mainframes, uh, right, they were mainframe programmers, then when our, our relational databases came out, SQL, SQL, uh, became a, and it still is, right, became a, the heart kill skill of the day, right? Where data is stored, I want to get the data out, I need engineers who can go query and get the data out. So but that was a skill that every company started hiring, and on top of that skill, they said, now I want to write stored procedures, then on top of that, I said, I'm going to write reports, then I'm going to write ETL jobs. So that skill organically grew over time. So yeah. I believe we are at the beginning of that. 
Today, every company has a database. Every company stores information. They do SQL reporting. They do other kinds of nice things. And I believe the same thing will happen with data science and machine learning. They will. They may initially have to go out and hire people, consult with other people, because yeah. um, the whole field is evolving and it is not "quote unquote" mere mortal ready yet. Yeah. Right? Yep. So they may start with. Um, with external folks, but they would soon find that having a resident machine learning data science expert makes sense. And another possibility, very much a likelihood I'm seeing is your existing data analysts, your existing engineers will start skilling up, right? And uh, start performing those roles. Um, so I would, I would recommend these small companies at least get help but not boil the ocean, start small, right? And then organically grow. Yeah, and, it, and it's curious that, you know, you, you mentioned sort of the the, uh, the growth of sort of database skills in general, how, how sort of funny and niche um, the notion of a database might have been at some point as, as opposed to where it is today and, and how proliferated that is and that, that might happen with data science. Um, obviously, there's, as far as I know and as far as I can read from, IDC and Gartner and, and the other folks that are looking at this world, there is certainly a shortage of, of data science skill out there. And as you had mentioned, maybe these many of these technologies are not exactly sort of mere mere mortal ready. I think that's a great way of putting it. You know, it's not something off the shelf like marketing automation software, for example. Probably some pretty wild moving parts, um, but but it's framed today in a way and couched and sort of packaged today in a way where. Even if you're not a techie and you barely have a Facebook account and can send emails, you can figure out marketing automation. You can figure out categorizing and tagging your contacts. It's We've sort of learned the user experience that'll sort of get a normal person up to snuff on that. Um, obviously, to, to the best of my knowledge, you know, you folks at Watson and, and probably many other competitors out in the field would aim to bring some of this predictive model building, some of these fundamentals of applying data science to the mere mortals of the world. How How is that progress going to happen? Just out of curiosity, I mean, what, what are we going to have to do with the technology to move it closer to getting there? So if you look at what we do in Watson, we do uh, we have done some great things, especially with uh, what you can do with unstructured data. So let me give you a very simple example. Let, and go, let's go back to our favorite trucking company. Yes, channel. yes. So this company, all they have is email, let's say for argument's sake. Um, and and let's say the, the the founder says I want to analyze all of the emails that my customers have sent me over the last two months, right? And I want to be able to detect or get information very simple about what are they calling me about, what kind of trucking services have they called me about, as expressed in natural language, not not things in rows and columns, but as expressed in natural language, what kind of uh, um, emotion. I'm not talking about sentiment. What kind of emotion? Were they were they angry with respect to a response that they came back? Maybe they were not happy with one of my services. Uh, how do I find that out? And and very simple, right? All I want to know is what is in that email. How was their reaction? So in Watson, what we have the approach we have taken is we want to provide these building blocks capabilities as APIs. So you, it's it's a black box where for not literally, but you mm-hmm. pass a text in, could be an email, could be anything else, but in this context, an email. And outcomes of it, you can find out what were the different concepts that were spoken 
or written about in that email, whether it is was about a, a house move or it was like a state move or we shipping cars or shipping like a large load of groceries um, or food, be whatnot. I can detect those concepts. I can detect what was the um, so the sentiment as expressed in those email bipolar sentiment. Then at a deeper level, I can understand if the user or the customer was happy with what they wrote or they expressed a degree of neuroticism because they were very anxious about a particular shipment that they went through and they were inquiring about me. Mm. Uh, so I can, without, without having to be a data scientist, I just call an API and get a response back. Uh, so, I, yeah, yeah. Now the work involved is I still need somebody to be able to interpret what came out and uh, obviously make some meaningful sense. Now go back to my pre- the point I was making earlier. The organization, in this case, the trucking company, needs to know the business and the objectives that they're trying to go find answers for. Now, if they know that this email contained concepts about shipping or, or, or forklifting and shipping a home, and the customer was very neurotic and anxious about a particular uh, whether the shipment will arrive on time, uh, and then that if I can correlate that with some bad um, delivery that was made. Now I get visibility into okay, where is my customer service going south? Yeah, 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 yeah. So our goal in Watson is to provide these platform APIs. There are thirty odd other APIs that you can use, right? That you could use as part of what I call your machine learning data science pipeline, where you can do different kinds of analysis. But our goal in life is. Can I make them available as simple APIs so you don't have to hire a data science team to build those kind of, that level of sophistication? We're making Watson open, essentially. Got it. At, okay. at the same time, the APIs also will include or provide the ability for you to train the models for your needs. And this is the crawl, walk, run. Now, if you want to run, you also have that capability. Got it. So um, to, to, to go back to the very beginning of this example, just to anchor this home for the audience, it sounds as though in terms of making things usable for mere mortals or folks who maybe are not formally trained um, in data science, m- maybe what we're looking at here, uh, w- when it comes to getting, you know, again, someone who's, who's not formally trained, uh, to get them up to speed, maybe finding those individual use cases like, let's say, upload X number of emails, subject lines, text, etc., and you can get back this kind of reading. So the 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 maybe what we could call the hard work, which would be building the model that teases out emotion uh, or, or teases out some semblance of sentiment. Um, that hard work has sort of been built. Someone simply has to enter, you know, information X and receive sort of answer Y to to be able to take that first baby step in leveraging the technology. They don't have to go out and build that model. They just have to provide the data to put into that model, the API that you're talking about, um, and, and receive the response. And maybe maybe more functions like that is going to be how we get the 57-year-old uh, you know, founder of the trucking company to you know, take, take those first steps in, in understanding natural language processing and maybe how it can help with their customer service. It sounds like that's where you're kind of getting at. Simple, right. simple individual applications. Exactly, exactly. Yep. And that applies for predictive analytics as well, where we have uh, self-service applications, tools, where you can come and upload your Excel file, and it, without even writing a line of code, it generates 
various kinds of charts and insights and predictive models. Yeah, let's go into an example with that, Swami. I mean, I, I know, I know, we wanted to cover a couple. I'm interested. And when it comes to predictive, what's what's an example, maybe from a real or fictitious business that you've sort of worked with that might be illustrative of sort of what's what's going on there? So there are several examples. So let's take insurance, um, or let's take telco, for example. Right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so telco customers have uh, so telco companies have a lot of data, obviously. So they have, and there is a lot of, um, if you go to emerging markets like India or China, there is a lot of prepaid customers, right? They, they keep churning, as in they get a better rate from somebody else, they just churn over to them, yep. right? Now, so how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you predict customer loyal, or how do you predict, predict customer behavior? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you predict their, uh, uh, whether there's somebody will like, is likely to churn or not likely to churn? Um, or even more, if somebody is calling into a call center, a customer calls into a call center, now based on the data that I know about them, meaning who they are, what kind of services they have had, how long they have had, what is their usage, what has been their bill, uh, what population segment do they belong under, what is the likelihood, A, they will churn, B, can I offer them a product or service on that call, in that instance, and make sure I don't do that when they're calling in with a service outage problem, right? So I, I, I've, I've, I've thrown a lot of things, but step back one at a time. You have customers, telcos know what those customers have in terms of products, how long they have been having it, how long, how much they have been paying, what has been their bill, have there been spikes in their bill because of um, any overages and whatnot. Now, can I use that data to do very simple predictions? Not simple, but very simple in the sense, can I find out if this customer would churn or not churn? Now, how can I use that information? I could use that in the context of when somebody is calling into the call center, and the agent looks on their screen, and there is a as simple as a green check mark versus a red yeah, uh, yeah, cross, yeah. this customer will churn or not churn? Then another possibility is I have the data, can I upsell them or cross-sell them with any other products? What is the next best product I can position for them that they're most likely to be uh, receptive to buying? That's another prediction you could do. Um, what is their uh, most likely reason for calling based on network and outage information that is going on in the areas that they live or most likely to travel? Now, this is not fantasy. This is happening today. Yep. So, but not happening everywhere. That is a problem, right? Companies, telcos, who have who are smart, who are implementing this, um, really do provide an exceptional customer care, customer service. Um, they don't offer you, try to sell you products when you're calling in with respect to a billing overage issue. Yep. They know what they know when to talk. Some of them do proactive care, like. They don't wait for you to call. They are very proactive in reaching out to you to say, hey, look, uh, there's an expected outage in your area. Please bear with us. And being a loyal customer, I'm going to offer you X percentage per discount. And that is based individually on their profile as well. Hmm. So that is not going to cannibalize their average revenue per user. So again, predictive models are playing there. So it's a whole chain of customer service that leads to uh, customer loyalty and customer retention and predictive models play a big role 
and you can start doing hyper-local, hyper-focused um, uh, predictions as well, meaning Swami, he belongs to a particular population, right? And that population behaves in a certain way. So this is one example. And really quick, another example is in the area of health. Um, obviously, there's a lot of data that is collected over here in the U.S. and in the and in Europe, and the same thing is happening in India and, and other parts of the world. Yep. But but how do I provide care based on the population that you belong to? I cannot say a Caucasian male coming in, or, or, or I'm sorry, an Asian male coming in to a doctor can be uh, graded in the same way or evaluated in the same way by the doctor for risk for congestive heart failure, um, like how a Caucasian would be, because the genes are different, the yep. proteins are different. So how do I do population analytics for my my population and use that data to provide, as the president calls, the precision care? For you, what makes sense? For you, what is the treatment option? Because I know about you, I know about your population, I know what kind of problems are most likely to happen, and here are the treatment options for you. Yeah, and I guess that's that's a, a benefit of, of those large databases being pooled in, in countries like the UK and the US to sort of help feed those models, right, of, of sort of commonalities of diseases that people can pull from? Correct. Yeah. That is correct. Got it. Um, and so I like the telco example as, as well. And, and obviously, that, I mean, I know that you folks are working a lot in healthcare, and that's a pretty darn big push for, for IBM and, and sort of Watson in, in its entirety. Um it's, it's interesting to think, I've, we've talked with executives at places like AT&T, it's interesting to think that um, uh, the churn might be able to be predicted based on someone's uh, frequency of phone calls or maybe sentiment of those phone calls or um, uh, the way that they're using their services or how many outages have been in that space and then be able to take some sort of proactive step to say their risk for churning just went up 3x, all these people need to be contacted, um, you know, in, in XYZ way to make sure that we can sort of keep them on board. That's some pretty clear value um, in many different regards. I can imagine there's a lot uh, a lot of other examples that we could go into, but I know that we are short on time. Swami, I want to thank you for being able to share some of your insights and sort of let us behind the curtain as to some useful applications of data science for small business. Hopefully this will encourage some small and medium folks to, to get involved. So Swami, thanks again for being here with us. Oh, thanks, Daniel. Thanks for the time. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives, top researchers, and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.